<laughs> We've said hi. <laughs> Like, a lot. Like 10 times because we keep restarting. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How Megan. are you? I'm so good. Authentic greeting. <laughs> Insert here. <laughs> this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. And I'm Kara. I'm Megan. So, a uh, full episode today. Yep. Kara. I'm here. Do we have anything fun to talk about before we get started? Let's see. It's going to be the 21st. It's almost February. We have 10 days. Um, so y'all get ready for all our Patreon nonsense that's about to happen. Yeah, I'm looking forward. We've had a few people join the last, mm-hmm. you know, in the last month. So I think people are getting excited too. Yeah. So there's, let's see, 15 um, extra episodes on the Patreon right now. And we're getting mm-hmm. ready to record another one. You know? Yeah. So it's a good time to join. And we, all those extra perks start in February. Yeah. So exciting. Okay. I love the Patreon. So mine's kind of like a weird mystery of just who this human thinks he is mm. um also maybe there's some murder involved it doesn't really dive that deep into it he there's also magic because he thinks he's a mind reader and that he cures cancer so um that's why we still have it today and this, yeah clearly he was successful he was really good at his job so good that it came back right wait until you hear what cured cancer Okay, so this guy's name is Norman Baker. I titled it Norman Baker Reads Minds and Cures Cancer. Yes. Okay. He's the full package. (laughs) Yes. So he was born into a very wealthy family. They were in a small Mississippi town. It was Muscatine, Muscatine, Muscatine. Exactly what I said. Yeah. He was the 10th and last child of his family. His father, John Baker, had... 126 inventions that he had patents on and he also operated baker manufacturing company and his mom francis was a writer before she got married oh little talented family here i sound like it they got a lot going on little busy bodies 10 kids Mm -hmm. 10 of them he was the youngest so he left high school after his sophomore year um and he spent a lot of his adult years as a tramp machinist i don't really know what that is i didn't bother to look at a tramp machinist y'all tell us um i'm sure somebody will google it or no (laughs) don't google it and just give us your best guess at what it means yeah they said that he started his career as like a little performer but he also showed promise of being a great inventor and machinist he invented and successfully manufactured and sold the tangly automatic air calio or caliphone caliophone what is that calliope (laughs) here's why i know this because of bonnaroo they had this like big calliope and and a friend of mine kept calling it the calliope and i was like i don't think that's what it's called but it's like a big dj stand wherever calliope is is like where the dance party is we show how much i get out calliope calliope i I don't think that's what it's called i mean i'm so glad that somebody else called it that for once in my life, guys, I knew the right pronunciation. But also, disclaimer, okay. maybe at Bonnaroo it is called Cali. Okay, yeah. but, but listen, it's a steam organ. So I guess it pushes air through it to make the I sound. I guess so. So you don't have to actually blow into it. <laughs> That's probably exactly what it That's sounds. What it sounds like. Is there a calliope in here? Is there a Calio? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, he would take this device to fairgrounds and circuses, and he also was just like forming small businesses under the Tanglier Baker name. So 1904, he was super interested in traveling shows that presented like mentalists and other performers. He was like a sideshow? Yeah. 
Yeah, he was real interested. He witnessed a magician act. Um, and he was like, you know what? I could do that. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what he thought, Megan. <laughs> he started his own traveling performer thing. Um, and they had a mind reader called Madame Pearl Tingley. He had married one of his Madame Tingley actresses, but that marriage ended pretty quickly in an annulment. He did tour for 10 years, uh, successfully multiple women as Madame Tingley, but then he decided to return to Muscatine. In 1914, he ran a correspondence art school. Uh, he also had a mail order business. He really definitely thought you were about to say bride. Mail order. He I wouldn't put it past him. He really did everything. I mean, yeah, it sounds like he just can't settle on one thing. But yeah. I mean, I'm fine with people who like want to do it. And somehow lands on curing cancer. I don't know. <laughs> so he, in 1924, was like, you know what? Radio broadcasting's getting kind of big over here. So I'm going to ask my town if they'll permit me to have a station and see what they think. So they did in 1925, November of 1925. The station received their call sign, KTNT. That was referred to as Know the Naked Truth. He started calling out the cartel of broadcasters, just like independent stations, and was just being a little jerk about it, just being a punk and trying to. I mean, he seems real likable so far. Yes. Super charming. Yes. And so at this time, like these stations weren't regulated. No one could be like, oh, you can't say that. Like this isn't, you know, they are now. They're like, yeah, there's all kinds of rules. Like somebody calls in and they're like beforehand. And we're in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. He rallied against AT&T, which was like Western Electric and had just like, he was like, I'm I'm going to take over this town. I'm going to take over the radio stations. They've got nothing on me. He convinced the Chamber of Commerce in 1925 to sponsor his radio station. And then he started focusing on like small town issues. He supported Republican Herbert Hoover. And then he started attacking Catholic religion. And like the Al Smith, they tried to go after like his ties to, ta- to, to Manny. Tammany. Tammany Hall. Tammany. So he was attacking Smith's religion. And- yeah. And Smith's ties to Tammany. Hall. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. trying to understand. Al Smith. So when Hoover won, he was invited to a private meeting with this president. Oh. And so Norman Ho- was? Mm-hmm. He got to have a private meeting with the president? Herbert Hoover. Okay. Yeah. I don't understand. Like his station reached that far, Megan. Jeez. God. Jeez. Like his ego needs to be. Uh huh. So then that launched his tabloid, the Midwest Free Press, in 1930. His freedom of speech went far and wide. Oh, my God. He had several lawsuits against him. And then he claimed that there were several that had been imagined by him, really. They didn't exist. He just made them up. To, yeah. To sound like. To make it sound like he had high media profile. Is oh, what yeah. The article like he's said. so important. Yeah. 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 So then the article says he used his station to launch blistering attacks towards, like, everything. Media, all of the stuff. He's just going after everybody. He's that guy. Yeah. So he did it locally, but then he also like traveled state, yeah, nation, going after all of them because everyone needs to know his opinions on everybody. everybody needs to know. Yep, yep. He had the drawing school. He published a TNT magazine. President of the Progressive Publishing Co. Publisher of the Daily Midwest Free Press. 
and he was just trying to get all of these things done. He denounced mandated cattle TB tests, water fluoridation. <laughs> he what? just was like, I don't want that in my water. He wants to he get rid of like, fluoride? Yeah. He said, don't put that in my water. So he, he didn't want cattle to be TB yeah, he tested. Denounced it. Didn't yeah. want what? Vaccinations and aluminum cookware. He said, nope, I'm not having any of that. Okay. He claimed these were all reasons for cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Testing cattle for TB causes cancer? Yeah. Vaccinations, aluminum cookware, fluoride in your water. That's where cancer all started in the 20s. Okay. So then uh, he learned of a cure for cancer by a Charles Ozias, maybe, of Kansas City. Um, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to we'll see what happens. So, if he, so he didn't come up with it then if he learned of it from somebody else. Yeah. There were five deaths during the tests, but he was just like, I think it's going to be okay. There were only five test subjects and they all five died. But, I mean, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep trucking along with this. What was the cure? How did they die? Oh, you just wait. So then he brings on another person, Harry Hoxie, maybe. I like to call him Hoxie because it was all a hoax. They began to promote um, the cure. Mm-hmm. So, April 1930, they had the Baker Institute in Muscatine, and they said it was a clinic. They started advertising about it on the air in his news station. It was a very, very expensive cure for cancer and other de- diseases. It was a series of injections. It had corn silk, watermelon seeds, clover, water, carbolic acid. Uh, they were just like, this will cure anything, really. let's just put all kinds of crap in it it's gonna cure everything you know we just tore up this field on the farm and it had some of these here's the scraps seeds and some it's just injecting people let's see what happens you know we got some juice over this i think it's terrible it's good for the earth it's good for the people good for the earth good for the people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they started getting on the radio and talking about how actual licensed doctors were educated fools and cutters and they were incapable of helping patients. He said MD stood for more dough. <laughs> I'm then, just fascinated that someone who made his living as a mind reader who had different women play the part of Madam What's Her Face is yeah, like angry. calling doc like mm-hmm. calling anybody a fraud. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. They were mind readers, Megan. So then the AMA was just like, oh, this guy's a quack. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to put it out there that we don't side with this man. He's not a licensed medical professional. Like, this isn't the thing. So then he was like, mm, these AMA people, I'm coming out and calling them the Amateur Meat Cutter Association. Oh, my God. Yeah. So on his radio show, he's like, these AMAs are actually the Amateur Meat Cutters. The whole problem is that there's probably a whole bunch of people who listen to him. Oh, for sure. like. Yeah, we believe what he says yeah. better than doctors. Uh-huh. And they all went home and they were like, MD means more dough. Yes. Yes. That's the best joke ever. Did y'all hear about this? <laughs> Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo. Uh-huh. T-Y. M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now. 
With products from $59.99 to top-of-the-line straighteners, each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh, got a so straightener and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so handy. Right. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly, wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. So then... He claims that the AMA offered him $1 million for his cancer cure with the intent of forcing it from the market so that patients might be compelled to resort to surgery. Okay, I'm actually, that seems believable to me. Yeah. (laughs) That one part. Yeah. But then he started attacking these people, saying that they were Jewish, and then he was trying to sue them for defamation of character. I'm sorry, what? Why did we have to Just to be like... Oh, they're Jewish. Oh, they're Jewish. What kind of... They're amateur meat cutters. Like, what? Good Lord. Why? So then he claims in 1930 that three men attacked his hospital. And the police were like, the weird guy, Hoaxy Hoxy, that's been working with you, he's the one that fired the shots at the hospital. So I don't know three men were involved, but we know he was. So it was staged. Yeah. I guess probably like the lawsuits thing, like where he's just trying to make himself seem much more important than he is. Mm Mm-hmm. May of 1930, they were just like, you know, this is ridiculous. You're practicing without medicine. We're just going to file some things against you. Um, That's true. I mean, you can't yeah, practice medicine without being a doctor. You're saying you're curing even these back patients. Then. Yeah. And so then, like, the court doing in doing so, it said it drew tens of thousands of people who were there because they had been people that, like, tried to buy his products and stuff. And they were like, oh, we're getting a piece of this, too. They thought he was a fraud also. Yeah. People yeah. Tried to buy his products. And yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. So the trial began September 1930. Obviously gained nationwide attention. Um, yeah. He's very important and famous. Yeah. So the Federal Radio Commission in Washington, D.C. had some issues with him. They were just like, we can't keep this up. And so then him and that hoxy hoaxy guy turned against each other um and they were like no he said this he said this and in reality they were just trying to get the money from the hospital like who's gonna get it 
Also, nobody should have gotten that money from the hospital. No. Yeah. They said that the Institute brought in as much as $100,000 a month. And they would whisk it away in suitcases at night. And Baker got most of that money. And it's money from people who just were trying to be cured of whatever they had. Yep, exactly. Um, How do you live with yourself? Right? Norman? Yep. So after the lengthy court battle, the radio station delicensed him in June 1931. In 1932, he saw Mexico as his next solution. He went to visit a doctor, John Brinkley, who transplanted goat glands into male patients in Del Rio, Texas. <laughs> For what purpose? You know, I don't, I don't know. To cure cancer, I'm assuming. So in 1936, he was going to continue his cancer cures, even though he just went through this lengthy court battle about it. And he returned to Iowa to campaign for the U.S. Senate. Uh, he wasn't successful, though. I mean, I'm sure you're... Thank God. Like, concerned, Although... confused, and all the things. Oh, my God. Um, there was a story written about him. The Life Story of Norman Baker. In 1937, he was convicted in federal court for violating the Brinkley Clause of the Federal Communications Act by shipping gramophone recordings out of the nation for broadcast purposes. So he was like, if they ain't going to play it on these airwaves, I'm going to Of his get, own radio yeah, station? I'm going to get it out to others. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, the world needs my message. I have so many important, yes, insane things to say. Mm-hmm. But his conviction was overturned on appeal. So he continued to be crazy. Like I said, he decided to get into politics. Ran for governor of Iowa uh, on the farmer labor happy. ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, if I can't go up. I'm just going to go down. He got a few hundred votes, though. But A few hundred? Yeah. But this campaign kept his name in the news. So he was just like... Oh, Maybe being the youngest of 10 children made him like super starved for attention, you know? But he just got kind of crazier and crazier. And then he was going to run for the Republican senatorial nomination. And he got a few thousand votes that way. God. Yeah. So like I said, he just continued to put his stuff out there. But in 1937, he opened another hospital. How? You don't know. In the spa and resort town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. He found a city down on its luck, is what it says. He bought a resort, the Crescent Hotel. He said that the previous owners uh, were just falling down on their luck, so I'm going to take over it. He converted into a hospital and treated thousands, thousands of desperate patients with his watermelon injections. People who have cancer. Yep. And are just hoping for some kind of miracle. Yeah. And they go to this guy. Yeah. His accomplice, Thelma Yaunt, said that he had hidden thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Postal inspectors claimed that the hospital cleared about 500000 in one year, which in the 1930s yeah. was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then he got more lawsuits in 1938 for $1.1 million. After the March of Time, Newsreel had portrayed him as a quack. There was a federal case against him in 1937 because he didn't, you know, he went against that act again, the Brinkley Act. Mm-hmm. And then Arkansas couldn't close down his hospital. The federal government brought charges against him, seven counts of mail fraud. So I guess at this point, they're just like, we're going to try to get him on anything we can. Yeah, I'm sure. 
They want to just stop him. We can't close this hospital. I just can't figure out. That's what I can't figure out. He's still not a doctor. How is he practicing anything? Mm. They sentenced him to four years of jail and $4,000 restitution. January 1940, they found his cure is a pure hoax, (laughs) utterly false, and they jailed him pending the appeals. Shocking. In Leavenworth, he spent May 1941 to 1944 there. January that year, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals denied him an early release. Why? (laughs) Why would you deny this? You don't want this out there? So him and his associate are a Bellows. Uh, They both served time at Leavenworth. Bellows sued him for breach of contract. Um, He said that he hadn't paid him the $75,000 of profit, which he was entitled to. Mm -hmm. He called him an ignorant country barber. (laughs) Good Lord. But then uh, he unfortunately died while he was incarcerated. So he never got his monies. Bellows Mm -hmm. did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. While he was in prison, the radio station obviously went quiet and the hotel closed or spa hotel hospital closed. Thelma, his accomplice, was appointed head of the radio station. She sold it for its equipment to the Alamo Alamo Broadcasting Co. of Texas. Then Elliot Roosevelt, the son of President Franklin Roosevelt, owned it. He decided he was going to file complaints against the Alamo with the FCC in the late 1945. He said that the Roosevelts did this behind his back. Well, of course, you're in jail. Everything at this point is going to be done behind. And if she was his partner, right? Like, and he put her in charge of it. So she was allowed to sell. Yeah. So the FCC denied his claim in April of 47. He attempted to return to healing by establishing a research foundation. But Iowa was like, let's let's not do this. Mm -mm. We cannot do this. Let's not meet like this anymore. Yeah. We need you to leave. We need you to stop. We're through. We're never, ever, ever getting back. Together. Ever, 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 <laughs> getting back together. <laughs> so he retired, Miami, Florida. He died September tenth, nineteen fifty-eight. How shocked am I that he ended up of cirrhosis? Cirrhosis. Mm-hmm. He lived on a large yacht that used to be owned by railroad developer Jay Gould. Uh, he's buried in Greenwood Cemetery in Muscatine, next to his sister. Where are the rest of his siblings and parents? I don't know. So he still ended up just like super rich, huh? Yep. So it says like picture him as like this fancy eccentric man. He was known for wearing white suits, purple shirts, lavender ties, and he drove an orchid colored car. Lots of purple going on. Lots of purple. Very eccentric man. He had submachine guns within his reach at all times. <laughs> uh, he published two books about himself, Crusade for Humanity. <laughs> and then uh, Doctors, Dynamiters, and Gunmen. Doctors, Dynamiters, and Gunmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the sentence he published two books about himself is like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He also called himself a radio doctor. I'm a podcast doctor, you guys. Yeah. And he was quoted saying that if he had his station back, he'd reap $1 million out of the suckers in the state. Who's the sucker now, Norman? <laughs> I mean. But it's still like, sure, he went to prison, but he still ended up. Fine. On the up and up. Building these hospitals and it's curing, curing cancer. Somewhere. Curing cancer. What in the Goat world? glands and men. So what I'm curious about mm-hmm. is why he thought that cured cancer. So were there successful? There must have been 
cases where I mean there were only five deaths, so I don't know. But well, does that mean the others just had no symptoms? I mean, maybe they had some bad side effects but it just wasn't death? Was there anybody who went right. on to go, go into remission? Right. If so, were they receiving other treatment? Exactly. I mean, sometimes yeah. cancer just you know goes away or comes it? back. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know why I said that as if I know anything. You know, guys. <laughs> we're like tell you what I know about cancer. Um, this year. <laughs> I just don't. No. No, Norman. No, Norman. No, Norman. So he's a, he's a mystery in himself. Yeah. Who does he think he is? That's a good The audacity. <laughs> Norman's audacity is what I should have called it. Well, thank yep. you all for listening. Yeah. We appreciate you being here. So much. If you have any comments or story ideas or anything, all of our contact info is in the show notes. Yep. We will be back Tuesday for you with Tomorrow. another episode. <laughs> uh, we love you. So much. Goodbye. Goodbye.